0: our scripture reading that comes from Jonah chapter 2. This is Jonah chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains." I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord." And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do thank you for your word and for your truth. And, Lord, we pray that the words that we ponder today in this story that we hear, Lord, may it transform our hearts, and may we move towards hope with jesus christ and it's in his name that we pray amen so one of my favorite television shows is a show uh parks and rec any parks and rec fans out there We have a few Parks and Rec fans out there. Okay, good. Um, Well, uh, I love the characters in in Parks and Rec, and and one of the great characters is a guy by the name of Andy. Now, Andy is played by Chris Pratt, and he's sort of this lovable loser character, especially when we first get to meet him. He had been um, in a relationship with a girl for a couple of years, and and she finally realized he was a loser and broke up with him. Um, His band Mouse Rat... Um, was not producing the hits that he imagined that they would. Um, he was homeless, just broken up with his girlfriend. His band wasn't doing well. Um, and his, he thought his life was a pit until he literally fell into a pit and bo- broke both of his legs. And this is Andy. And, and I think that this Sort of symbol is a kind of a symbol for, for Andy's life. is is It's kind of this journey that began sort of at this place of the literal pits, um, and then it only went up from there. Now the, the pit really uh, is a, is a symbol throughout Scripture, and, and really even in our own lives today of a place of low that different people experience. And in fact, we've all probably experienced a low of some sort. Um, and when I think about different movies. Um, or different television shows, there's always moments in which we find whoever the, the protagonist, whoever the main character is, we find them, there has to be a low moment, a pit that they have to experience. Uh, our family was watching some Avenger movies uh, yesterday, and, and part of what we, we saw um, was this moment in which Captain America, beaten up, laid on the ground, even his shield is partially destroyed as sort of this moment of the pit in his life and in his experience. And so kids, I invite you, um, whether you're watching online at your house or whether you're here in the room, to in box one, I want you to draw a picture of a movie character or a book character or somebody who's at their low moment uh, whose life is in the pit. Now here's what we understand about the pit for us. is it, The pit is this strange place, all right, that is the place in which despair and hope can collide, all right? That, that no matter what's happened in us or to us, the pit can be this place in which there is despair, but also the possibility for hope. Now, one of the hard things about the pit is sometimes the pit is because of our own choices or our own behaviors or things that we are doing. I think about um, people in the recovery world that um, we talk about rock bottom and that it's important for people to hit rock bottom so that they know that it's time to go up. But I know that sometimes life is what happens to us. And the pit is, is all these things that we haven't done, but it just seems like life gets worse and worse and worse. And when we can't take any more, it feels like even then sometimes we go down. And despair can go on. And sometimes we wonder how low is this pit? How deep is it? And when are we at our rock bottom? When is despair at its fullest? Because whenever we get to the pit, we have a couple of choices. Either we can dig in or we can look up. Either we can dig in and say, this is my life, or we can look up to a place that was different. And each of us experienced the pit in our own way and in our own different way. Now for Jonah, it's interesting where and when he experienced his bottom or his pit. Now if you weren't with us last week, we talked about Jonah chapter 1. And let me just review that real quickly. Jonah is a prophet from God. And Jonah received a message from God that said, I want you to go east and tell the people of Nineveh, to repent and instead he goes west and runs away from God but you can't run away from God even though you and I sometimes try and so while he was running away he got on a boat that was headed as far away as he could imagine but God sent a storm and everybody on the boat was terrified and and they were wondering why this was happening and eventually they, it was determined that it was Jonah's fault and they said Jonah what are you doing and he said I'm running from God And so these sailors, they hit bottom when they knew that there was no chance for them to survive unless they cried out to Jonah's God. And so they cried out to Jonah's God, and they determined that the best course of action was actually to throw Jonah into the sea. And when they did, the sea subsided, and they praised Jonah's God, and they made sacrifices to his God. And they believed in Jonah's God, even though Jonah really didn't do much to convince them And so in chapter two, we we find that Jonah had been eaten by this large fish. But before that, Jonah experienced his low. It's interesting what it says here. The low wasn't on the boat, the low was here. It says, The waters closed in over me to take my life, the deep surrounded me, weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. And so imagine this scene, if you will, as Jonah descending into the water, seaweed wrapped around his head, struggling to breathe, struggling to wonder what is next. And so kids, in box two, I'd love for you to draw a picture of Jonah um, as he's sort of in this moment with the seaweed wrapped around his head um, at the bottom of the sea. And so it was only then, at this moment, that he remembered the Lord. And this is what it says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Now this is strange because Jonah's a prophet from God, and surely he would have remembered earlier, right? Even when they were asking him, Who is your God? Maybe then would have been a chance where Jonah could have said, Hey, why don't I ask God to save us? Why don't I ask, why don't I do what God said to do? But it wasn't until his last breath was fleeting that he remembered the Lord. And I think that sometimes this is us, right? I mean, that's really what, as I've studied this book of Jonah, I think it's really a story about you and I as people that, that when our life is fading away, when things are going down, when we are descending into the pit, it isn't until our most desperate moment that we cry out to God. It isn't, it isn't until we are at our lowest in which we remember, oh, I need God, and I need God desperately. In fact, so often we have our own plans for what should happen, and we have our own idea for what God should do that we aren't willing to listen to while God is planning to save us or to use us. Uh, There's a a great what I call preacher story you may have heard it before about a a man in the midst of a flood and so there was this man who um, there was a flood that was coming to town and as the waters began to rise just a little bit there was a jeep that came and they said come on you need to get out um, get in my jeep and and we'll go to safety but the man looked at them and said the Lord will save me I know it I'm going to wait for him. And so the waters continued to rise. And as those waters continued to rise, they sent a little boat around to rescue people. And they got to the man. He said, The Lord will save me. I'll be okay. And so they moved on to the next house. The waters continued to rise. And he was sitting on his roof. And there a helicopter came. And over the bullhorn, they said, We are here to save you. Get in our helicopter. And he looked up and he said, The Lord will save me. I will be okay. The next day, the man drowned. And when he got up to heaven, he he asked God, he said, God, why didn't you save me? And he said, I sent you a jeep, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a helicopter, and you rejected them all. And this is sometimes what God does for us, is that we have a specific way in which we think the Lord is going to act, and only if the Lord acts this way will I respond. And we miss out on what God is doing to pull us out of the pit. And in fact, so many of us choose stubbornness over surrender we choose to be people who choose to do things our way and our will instead of really saying God I don't know but I'm choosing to surrender to you and to give it to you I saw this quote on social media and I just thought boy what a message it is um, for today's sermon you are afraid of surrender because you don't want to lose control but you never had control All you had was anxiety. And as I look around at people, I think so much of what we try to do in our life is to have life be our way. And we try to control things. And we spend so much time and effort and emotional energy trying to control things, to get things the way that we think that they should be instead of surrendering and saying, Lord, your will, your way. We do everything we can to control And it just produces anxiety. But there's this blissfulness of surrender and saying, God, I am yours. And so this is what Jonah did as he cried out to God. It says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried and you heard my voice. And so here is Jonah and he cries out to God at the at the biggest part of the pit he cried out and God hears us and this is one of the most important things I want you to take away is that when we cry out to God when we ask him to help us that he answers and he hears our voice and he comes as our rescuer and so for Jonah the rescuer looked very different it looked like a fish who then ate him and he sat in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights I love what Sarah Don talking about a timeout to think about what he's done all right this is Jonah's big timeout moment and after he thought about what he's done for three days and three nights and we get this prayer recorded and I can imagine there were some things uh, more than what we have here that he said or he thought Then it was finally time for him to leave and to go on to his mission. And so, in the next couple weeks, we're going to look at Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 4 to see what he did. Um, But it says here at the end of chapter 2, and after three days, God vomited him out. And so, kids, in box three, I want you to draw a picture of Jonah leaving the belly of the fish, all right? And so, here he finds himself on the shore ready to go now what is interesting to me in this prayer all right is not just what is there but what isn't there Um, now one of the things that is there and we see it in verse 9 but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay salvation belongs to the Lord and so here Jonah is thankful that God has saved him he rejoices what God has done. But what is interesting is in what is not there, nowhere in Jonah's prayer here does he say, Lord, I'm sorry I ran away. Lord, I wish I would have reacted sooner. God, I want to do things your way. He never repents. Instead, he is just thankful to be saved. And I think that this is so often true with us, is, is we want a God who saves us, but we don't want a Lord who leads us. We're okay with being rescued. We are not okay with being told what to do. We are not okay with being led because we want to choose things our way. And for us as a church, we don't get to choose between Jesus as Savior and Jesus as Lord. It's a package deal. Is that if we want Jesus as our Savior, we also need to have him as our Lord. And so we need to do more than just rejoice that Jesus is our Savior who has saved us from sin, who has saved us from death and darkness, but we need to repent and to follow him as our Lord. But we often just want it one way, that Jesus saved me, and then I'm going to go back to doing things my way. But we can't do it that way. We need Jesus as both. And so what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, can we trust Jesus to lead us? And sometimes I think the problem is that we don't trust God and we don't trust Jesus to actually lead us. Because we think, gosh, Jesus, if you loved us, you would lead me this way. But Jesus, and so I think the only way that we can trust Jesus is to believe in what he's done and in what he has gone through. Um, a few weeks ago we went on vacation and we were kind of going through some rural Alabama on our way back home and um, we just put on Google Maps and it told me exactly what to do and it was some weird stuff right it'd be like two miles turn right and then it'd be like half a mile turn left and and I had no idea what little small town we were in what the speed limit was anything like that but I had such trust in Google Maps, that it could have been leading me all sorts of places, but I was trusting that it was leading me to my destination, and I had no qualms following this device that was connected to the system. But yet I have a lot more qualms following Jesus. I have a lot more struggle with doing that, but here's the amazing and the good news, is that Jesus has been here before. Whatever you're going through, Jesus experienced as well. I mean, think about it. Jesus experienced great physical pain on the cross. Agonizing torture and physical pain. And so if you're struggling with physical pain, Jesus has been there. Maybe you're you're experiencing emotional pain. Probably a lot of us are are there. We're grieving the loss of of something. And, And Jesus lost friends. I mean, I think about when he lost his friend Lazarus and it says that he wept. He knows what it's like to lose somebody close to him. The agony he saw as he was losing his own life And grieving for his mother is part of the story I remember. And so he's gone through great emotional pain. He's gone through relational pain as his disciples abandoned him. As Judas betrayed him, as Peter denied him these experiences of humanity that he went through, this deep pain. And he also went through the pain of death. Now one of the things we say in our Apostles' Creed, and sometimes we just say it so ritualistically that we don't resonate with what it says, is we say these words. He descended to the dead. And what we believe is that from the time Jesus died on Friday until the time he was raised on Sunday is that Jesus descended to the place of the dead. Now different theologians have different theories about what he did there, but what I think is most important for us is that Jesus didn't just metaphorically experienced death. He physically experienced breathing his last breath, and he descended to the place of the dead and the depths. He went to the lowest of lows, to the pit of the pits. And we all know that death is a terrible, terrible thing. It is the pits. But Jesus is the resurrection who can lift us up and we can trust him to follow that he can be the Lord that will lead us. There was a man who was walking down the road when he fell into a pit. And while he was down there in the pit, he he, he tried to find a way out, but he was unable to to find a way out. And, And he looked up and he saw a doctor walking by. And so he, he called out to the person in the medical code. He said, Doctor, doctor, I'm down here. Can you save me? And the doctor took out his prescription pad, wrote a prescription, and threw it down the hole and walked on by. Later, he saw a pastor and he thought, Oh, maybe the pastor will help me. Surely they're supposed to be good people, right? And so he, he cried out. He said, Pastor, Pastor, can you, can you help me? And the pastor looked down. He took out a piece of paper. He wrote down a prayer, threw it into the hole, and kept walking. Later, the, the man saw a friend and he said, Hey, friend, can you, I'm down here in the, the pit. Can you help me? And all of a sudden, the friend jumped into the pit and he looked at him and he said, What are you doing, you idiot? Now we're both stuck down here. But the friend looked at him and said, Yeah, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. My friends, this is the friend we have in Jesus. Jesus. He has been down here to the pit. And whatever your pit is, whatever your low is, whatever you've descended to, he has descended to as well. And he knows the way out. And the way out is hope. And the way out is love. And the way out is joy. Because the pit is the place in which despair and hope meet. Because the pit can be the place in which we realize that it's not our way, but that Jesus is the way. And that we realize that we have no other hope. There is another in the fire and there is another in the pit of despair and his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who can lead you out. So many of us, we think, I don't need this. I can get out of this pit myself. But you cannot. You were not made to. You were made to be led out by Jesus. Can you let him? You were made to take one step of faith and to say there is hope in the midst of despair, can we follow him? Because he will lead us out that way. And so kids, in box four, I'd love for you to, to draw a picture of Jesus leading you out of the pit. And imagine what that would be like. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I think, um, you know, like life has a lot of pits. And sometimes I fall deeper and deeper into one, and sometimes I get out of one, and it's kind of like an Oklahoma road just full of potholes, right? And you just fall into another one and fall into another one. And the good news is, is that when you fall, Jesus can help us out of any pit that we're in. And we're going to experience highs and lows, but can we experience them with Jesus? And so what I want us to do now is, is I just want us to take a couple of minutes, uh, if you're at home. Um, we're just going to have Reuben come up here and just play a little bit and just have this time of prayer. We invite you to give this to the Lord. And, and if there's a pit that maybe you've been trying to dig out yourself, that, that you would just say, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to surrender to you. And if you're here in the room, we invite you to pray where you are. But we also invite you to come up here at the altar and just, and just surrender to Jesus. Whatever it is that is holding you back whatever it is where he can handle your anger, he can handle your despair, he can handle your grief because he's been there before and give it to Jesus. And maybe there's some people either on TV either on TV or, or in the room that you've tried to live life your own way for a long time and you've tried to do it your way and you've never surrendered to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give it all to you, I can't do it anymore. I need your help. I need your love. And so maybe today is the day that you're going to follow Jesus. And so we invite you to come forward in this altar. There is something about the posture of kneeling that communicates surrender with our body. So if that's you today, if you need to surrender what's on your heart to Jesus, if you need to surrender your heart to Jesus, we're going to just give you a little bit of time to come forward now before we sing our closing song.